You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Testament, God also could take his spirit back. Because we have David crying, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. So God could take the Holy Spirit back. Do you see how much better you have it than the Old Testament prophet? The Old Testament saints? God said, I'm going to make it real easy for you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you, and I'm not taking it back. Because Scripture says, how long will the Holy Spirit be with you? Scripture says, forever. We have more access to the Holy Spirit than the prophets of the Old Testament did. Pastor Dave is really trying to make a point here. Today, the Spirit lives inside of us from the moment we ask Him into our hearts, and He's here to stay. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit only dwelled briefly, even for prophets. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 15, as he continues his message, God Rewards Faithfulness. You know, I haven't said it in a long time, so you might have heard it before from me, but I like to call our Christianity an oxymoron. It's an active rest. We're resting in Jesus Christ. I'm resting in the Lord to do the work here at Calvary Chapel. Now, you may look at me, and it looks like I'm doing the work. It looks like others are doing the work, the elders and the people, my assistant pastor, and all the people who are working. It looks like they're doing the work, but we're resting in Christ. So it's an act of rest. We're not just sitting around going, oh, the Lord will take care of it. The Lord's going to take care of it. We don't have anything to worry about. We're just going to sit back. We're the bonbons. You know, that's not what we're doing. This is what Asa wanted the people to do, and this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to be ever prepared and ever ready. Because if you are, when that trial comes, not if, but when the trial comes, when the affliction comes, when the circumstance hits you right between the eyes, you'll be ready. You'll be prepared. And that's what I love about Asa. I just really like this guy. And we can learn a lot from him. And he had good reason. Because just when you thought you were safe, just when you thought it was great to go back into the water, something comes along, right? Right. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men. How do you get an army of a million men? Whoa. And 300 chariots, he came to Marrakesh, Marisha. And so Asa went out against him, and they set troops in the battle array in the valley of Zephrathah at Marisha. Wow. Whew. They come out. Asa has 680,000 men, and they're facing an army of a million, plus 300 chariots. I did a little looking up. The chariot, the chariot of that time was the most advanced weapon of war there was. The chariot of that time, I liken it to the tank. It's like the tank. A guy could be in a chariot. If he was a good charioteer, he could just ride through with a sword and just chop people up and never be affected. 
So they had 300 chariots. Wow. So the men get in battle position, which probably means they came to a point and they faced each other, and there was this valley in between. They looked at each other. Asa looks out, sees a million guys standing there, and he goes, one, two, three, four, five, seven. Hmm. One, two, three, four, five, seven. He says, I think we have a problem here. But no, Asa knew exactly what to do. Look at verse 11. I love verse 11. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. I love that. Lord, it's nothing for you to help. Lord, I know that you can help. I love that. Whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God. Listen to what he's saying there. He's already said help twice. For we rest on you. There it is. We're resting in you, Lord. Please do the work that needs to be done. And in your name, we go against this multitude. Oh, Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Asa knows that this million-man army is not fighting against him and his men. Let this man not prevail against you, oh, God. Wow. You know, whatever the odds are against you, it's good to have the Lord on your side. <laughs> whatever the odds are against you, it's good to cry unto the Lord. Whenever you know that you don't have enough strength for the battle, which usually should be all the time, it's good to cry unto the Lord. We should face conflict this way because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. He's already given us the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's his battle. It's his fight. Asa places his faith in the Lord. And we need to do the same. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Who can be against us? No matter what your problem is, God is able. God is able to handle anything that comes your way. It's nothing for God to help you. Oh, this problem's too big, Lord. I don't want to burden you with it. The Lord's saying, burden me, burden me. Come on, cast your cares on me. I care for you. Burden me with it. Or, you know, Lord, this is such a minute problem. I think I'll take care of it myself. The Lord's saying, no, no, no. Give it to me. Let me have it. I'll take care of it. We really can't talk about difficulty when God is involved. When God is involved, there's no difficulty. There really isn't any difficulty. Oh, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. I love that. There is nothing you can't do. Man, when we get into a trouble, when you get to the next situation, and you will, you need to remember that. You need to remember that there is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing too hard for God. You need to have that deep within you. And I love that he says, help us, O Lord, for we rest in you. That's putting all your trust, that's putting all your hope in God. Did he have any choice? It's a great place that he was in, wasn't it? Looking at one million men, he didn't have much choice here, but that's a great place to be. Most of the time, we wait until God's got us cornered. We wait until God's got us in that corner, and then we go, help. And said, the first thing we should do is yell for help. The very first thing we should do, Lord, I can't do this. We need to recognize our weakness. I know in Christ we're strong, and I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that. But there comes a time when you need to yell out. You need to surrender yourself and say, Lord, please, I need you. And this is what I see happening. This is hard position to do. But it's the many times we're forced to do this. We're forced to say, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. This is a good place to be. 
We don't always come to that place first, but we should. It seems as long as there's a chance in our mind to do it another way, we will. Because man will always look for the way out before we call on God. But we should call on God first. That should be our first call, not our last call. Our first call should be God. Our first call should be him. But way too often we don't. We don't rest in God until there's nothing else we can do. Sometimes I'm worried. Sometimes I'm fretting. And I need to let God be God. I need to let God be God. So they cry out, oh, Lord, help us. And we're resting and trusting in you. What a great, great prayer. We're trusting in you, Lord, because we know you can do all things. And I know you're going to work this together for good. I have no idea what it looks like, but I know it's going to be good. I'm trusting in you, Lord. I'm trusting in you. And the Lord takes control of the battle. Let's look at 12 and 15. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah and the Ethiopians fled. Now, wait a minute. Does this mean that something happened to these guys supernaturally and they turned around and ran? It doesn't seem like they charged them or anything like that. It said the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Judah and they fled. What happened? I don't know. Did you see anything? Yeah, what? That was pretty cool. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them. Yeah, sure. Why not? Took an error. So the Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover for they were broken before the Lord and his, wait a minute, the Lord and his army. Oh, wait a minute. Asa may have had a couple hundred thousand, but you have no idea the army behind Asa. We have no idea the army of the Lord. We have no idea what that might have looked like. And that was probably what the Ethiopians saw. That mass monstrous army of the Lord charging at them. You talk about a humana, humana, humana experience. Let's face it, guys. And they carried away the spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Geir, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock, insurers that carried off the sheep and camels in abundance, and they returned to Jerusalem. What a beautiful passage. Because they cried out to the Lord, because they humbled themselves and says, Lord, we can't do this. And that's what it takes. You need to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. They, we can't do this. The Lord took control. And he rewards their faithfulness with this beautiful battle. And they get all the spoils of war. They chase the people. They tear down the cities. They get the livestock that they can take back. And they all go to Jerusalem. And they've come and they've had this great, wondrous victory in the Lord. And because they cried out, they had a great victory. They enjoyed the spoils. Chapter 15, Asa now gets a visit from a prophet. Let's look at one and two. Now the spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Whoa. Prophet, as Azariah goes out and meets Asa on their way back. Now, notice it says, now the spirit of God came upon Azariah. In the Old Testament, God would place his Holy Spirit upon men or women. 
Deborah, the judge, and other women in, in God's book that had the Spirit of God upon them. So God places his people. He would give his spirit out. He, he did it to Saul when Saul was anointed king. He did it to David and things. You, you see the spirit come upon them. But in the Old Testament, God also could take his spirit back. Because we have David crying, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. So God could take the Holy Spirit back. Do you see how much better you have it than the Old Testament prophet, the Old Testament saints? God said, I'm going to make it real easy for you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you, and I'm not taking a bath. Because Scripture says, how long will the Holy Spirit be with you? Scripture says, forever. Scripture says, forever. So Azariah is now filled with the Holy Spirit, and he comes out, and he lays the truth on Asa. Lord's with you as long as you're with him. You seek him, you'll find him. You forsake him, he'll forsake you. This is God's eternal truth. This is an eternal truth by God given to us. It's always true of every man. The Lord will be with you as long as you are able to be with him. If you seek him, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. God's basic truth, unalterable and unchanging. However, our Jesus Christ tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Never leave nor forsake us. Again, what a beautiful thing we have in the New Testament. Asa's coming from this beautiful, wonderful victory. He's high-stepping. He's high-stepping. He's probably carrying some animals with him. Look what we got. He's just seen God work in this huge way. Can you imagine what they saw? He saw God answer a prayer mightily. I've warned you about this before, haven't I? After you have a great victory from God, after there's a healing in your life, after something happens in your life that you've been praying for, and all of a sudden it appears, and you're high-stepping, woo, look, the Lord did this, and you're giving him praise, which is what we're supposed to do. You're giving him glory. Watch out. Be careful. Be careful. Asa smiled and said, all right, praise the Lord. But you didn't have to add that part. What do you bring this guy out here for, Lord? I'm not going to forsake you. Ah, famous last words. After all, look what you just did. You don't need to warn me about you. We always need to be aware when we're reading through scriptures and we read a warning from God. It should always perk our ears up. We should always look and see where that warning is coming from and why it's being stated to us. And if you're sitting here today and God is warning you about something, there's a reason he's warning you about it. You know, we've read, there's no temptation that's not common to man, but God will always give you that way out. That's the warning. God shows you the way out. And when you don't take that way out, you have to suffer the consequences. God always gives you that warning. God always gives you that. God's warning you about a particular thing. It's a reason he's doing that. So listen to it. Listen to the warning. There's a reason for it. Don't tell him to go away. Don't shy away from the warning, but listen to it. Asa, if you seek him, you'll be found by him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Asa, be careful. Be careful what you do. The prophet continues in verses 3 through 7 in chapter 15. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without the law. 
But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace and to no one who sat and went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on the inhabitants of the lands. So the nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you... Be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. What's our work? Faith, to believe, to trust, to give hope to God. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Obed the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Wow. Asa hears this and says, wait a minute, something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. Because we read in 1 Kings that Asa didn't really tear down all of the high places. He left some of the high places there. He really didn't do this. So God was saying, hey, wait a minute. You didn't do everything I told you to do. And this is a warning. And Asa's going, wait a minute. So Asa gets busy now and he takes down all the high places. He takes down all the high places. I'll never forget the time after I was saved. I was having a Bible study. I was reading the Word of God at my dining room table. And as I was reading the Word of God at my dining room table, I turned around and looked over, and next to the piano that we had was my bar cabinet. And I'm sitting here reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, listening to God's promises, just really loving it. I look at that, and I went, wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? And I felt something weird. I kept on looking at what's going on. Well, the Lord had me go and clean that cabinet out and empty it all down the drain. It was the Lord telling me, you're sitting here reading my word and look at this booze cabinet right here out in the middle of open. Get rid of it as a testimony to me. And I did that. I, I said I did that. I went and I took care of it. That's what he's doing here. He's telling When he tells you to do something, you have to move forward and do it. This doesn't say anything wrong about drinking. I'm not coming down on drinking. It says don't be drunk, but I'm not coming down on drinking. It says don't be drunk with wine. I'm not coming down on drinking. But for me, I can't. For me, I don't. It's a choice I've made because of that day when the Lord showed me. Something that I made. It's important. And I think it's interesting they said they didn't have teaching priests. They didn't, they weren't taught the word of God. How important is it that we learn the word of God? This is one of the reasons why Calvary Chapel goes through the Bible like we do. So that you get the entire counsel of God, the full counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. So you get everything in between. And I've told you before, we get the scriptures that are hard. We get for scripture that go, oh man, I don't really want to talk about these. But we have to because they're in God's word. And it's important that we look at the entire counsel. But they didn't have people to teach them God's word. Oh, the Levites were great at administering the sacrificial problem. They were great at doing the sacrifices and stuff. But the tribes were so scattered, there was nobody to teach them the word of God. They didn't have that. But when they got in trouble, they cried out to the Lord God of Israel. And when they sought him, they found him. And I think it's interesting because all you have to do is read through the book of Judges. And as you read through the book of Judges, every single judge did evil in the sight of the Lord. The people got in trouble and a judge comes up and saves them because they cry out to the Lord. I love that. And we still see that today. But the chronicler who was writing here, who they believe was Ezra, Use this message from the prophet to remind the people of Israel in his own day that even when the people were set low because of their disobedience, God would restore them when they returned to him. 
What does that tell you? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You may be at a low point. You may have turned your back on God. You may have forsaken him. You may have walked away from him. You may have, got to have not want anything to do with him. You may be stuck in some sort of sin that is easily besetting you, whether it be addiction or whatever it is. God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. And when you turn that corner, which is what repentance is, turning and coming back to God, he'll meet you right there, just like the father of the prodigal son. He'll meet you there. But you got to take the step to turn. And he's right there. When you turn around, he's standing there with arms wide open, waiting for you to come in, waiting for you to come to him. But you need to make that step. Jesus died on the cross for you, for that very thing that you're going through, that you've done. He's not going to get back up on that cross. That cross is still the same. It still takes away that sin. But you've got to recognize it and come back to God. You've got to come back to God and cry out to God. That's what's happening here. I love when he says, be strong. For your work will be rewarded. God rewards faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. In spite of the great trouble that God had visited his people who were disobedient, he encouraged Asa that God's heart is always, always, always for forgiveness and restoration. If it wasn't, there would be no cross. That's what the cross is all about. Forgiveness and restoration. Coming to God. We see this. Asa makes some great reforms in 8 and 9. And when Asa heard this, we read that. Then he gathered all Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel. Why? When they saw that the Lord his God was with him. I love that. I like that. When people see that the Lord is with you, they are attracted to you. They are attracted to you. Why is that happening? Why, what's going on? I remember when Beatrice and I first got saved and we come out of some trouble and I got saved and the Lord had started to take the trouble away and he restored our marriage and it was wonderful. We had people from her family and my family wondering what was the difference. And we got to tell them it was Jesus Christ. We got to tell them it was Jesus Christ was the difference. So that's what happens when people see you coming out of a storm in victory, they want to know why. And they're curious. It takes courage to do the right thing. You will always have those who come against you when you try to do the right thing. They will always have people come against you. Mark told a story about being at his best friend's daughter's wedding. Here, have a drink with me. You're, you're, you're my friend. There will always be people come against you when they know that you are following the Lord. People always want to drag you down because they can't handle it. They can't handle it. The crowd doesn't understand how you're thinking now. They don't understand it. I love what Gusick says, quote, King Asa did more than remove the wrong. He restored the right. I love that. He goes on and says, this is an important part of any reform and any time of renewal must be more than speaking out against the wrong. It must also take positive steps towards the good, unquote. The positive steps I'm calling repentance. You see the wrong. I don't want that anymore. You see the Lord. I want you. I need to leave the wrong and go to the right. I need to forsake the wrong that was dragging me down and go to the right and stay at the right. That's repentance. You are Second Chronicles is the ongoing account of the kings of Israel and then Judah. 
Here on A Sure Hope, Pastor Dave has been teaching through this book, giving you a good awareness of the things that happened during this time. He started with King Solomon's reign, and you quickly see how when things are managed by mere men, it starts to devolve into selfish wants and desires. This is the way of the world, isn't it? But in contrast to that, you get a glimpse into a few kings who really sought after the Lord and tried to honor him with their kingly reign. Being human, there's always that tension between what you want and how it gives you that esteem versus doing what honors God and gives him glory. It can be easy to look at some of the examples of these kings and quickly start to look down on them. But if you were faced with that same culture and situations, would you do any differently? To know that a few of these men stood up against the crowd is striking. They decided to be countercultural and chose to honor God above all. Wouldn't it be great for God to say the same about you? We're so glad you decided to join us today. This series in the book of 2 Chronicles is one that you'll want to keep tuning into. One teaching connects to the next and helps give you the context of the book as a whole. If you'd like to hear today's message again or you missed one and want to go back to it, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. We're out of time for today, but we're excited for you to join us again. Never forget that because of God, you have a sure hope.